Hello and you're very welcome back to Shattered Lives. I'm Kieran Bradley. The murder trial of Jerry the Monk Hutch resumed for another day in Dublin Special Criminal Court today. Mr Hutch is accused of the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel in February 2016. It is a charge that he denies. Being tried alongside Mr Hutch are two men, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy. The state alleges that Messrs Murphy and Bonney provided vehicles for the Regency murder. Both men deny the charges against them. To bring us up to date with the goings-on is our man in court, Chief Reporter for the Irish Daily Star, Paul Healy. Paul, how you keeping? Not too bad. Um, we're another day into this trial now. We're, we're, near the, we're nearing the end. The end game is in sight. Yeah, for the listeners, I can see the dying of the light in Paul's eyes, uh, has to be said. There's, uh, <laughs> yeah. He was once sprightly and spry, but unfortunately not so much anymore. So we have concluded uh, Tuesday's uh, Tuesday's hearings and evidence. Uh, what did we learn today? Yeah, well, like on the surface of it, I will say that sitting in court today uh, was a little tedious and maybe boring at times uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of making headlines at first glance anyway. But uh, that's because we basically were going through uh, 83, ultimately, uh, separate uh, cell sites um, in relation to this investigation. So um, an engineer for 3 Ireland Hutchinson Limited was called to the stand and he gave evidence of just how uh, phone data would have been sought by Gardy investigating this case and he would have facilitated that. And in examining uh, phone calls and texts and uh, location data, uh, they they would have received all of this through cell sites across the country. Now, this is very technical, and, and like as I say, on the sur- on the surface of it, might seem a little boring, but it became interesting for me anyway. And I'm a bit of a nerd in this, in that. Um, you know, when you put it into context, all of these different locations and just the, the sheer scope of it uh, is fascinating, I think. Like, basically how we heard it in court today was each and every cell site across the country that they looked into um, was listed one by one and a map of each one shown. Um, but it's only when you put compile them all together, and I did compile them all together, like, as there's 83 of them. As I might, maybe I've missed one. I hope I haven't, but I think I've got them all uh that's 83 cell sites across four different counties. So you've got Dublin, Louth, Monaghan, Donegal, um, and there are cell towers uh, located in each of these counties um, that are that are pertinent to this overall Garda investigation. Um, and uh, this isn't a comment for me. I saw someone giving me stick on Twitter saying that I was uh, that I was possibly uh, kissing arse or whatever way you want to put it. Uh, that uh, by by saying all oh, the sheer scope of this, I'm just saying from a factual basis, um, it's obvious. Uh, no matter what your opinion is on this trial, even if you are not happy with the way Gardy investigated it or whatever, that's your personal opinion. It is obvious that the scope of the investigation is massive. Was massive because of the as I said, eighty. This is only just with phone data. Eighty three separate cell sites, cell towers in relation to. God knows how many phone numbers they looked at and, and uh, text data, all of that. It's 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 hard to imagine the scope of it. So to put it into context, they seized phones from uh, the co-accused men, Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney. They uh, seized phones in relation to Jonathan Dowdall, Patsy Hutch, 
they looked at phone calls and texts that these people were making and were able to try to through the through analysis through an expert their own expert triangulate the locations of these phones at specific dates and times that were of interest to them obviously in the case um so that's you know as i said fascinating and very important that that's why i suppose they've left it to the end it's very technical evidence but the the uh, on thursday now we're expecting to hear uh, from sarah skeed who was the uh, phone analysis expert uh, the individual who would have looked at all of this in great detail and we heard a little bit already about um her analysis in relation to jonathan dowdall's phone and where it was what uh, phone mast it was pinging off um on very very specific and important dates uh not to go over old territory too much but just to remind our listeners that jonathan dowdall said on the witness stand and his central allegation is that he met jerry hutch in a park in Whitehall in Dublin, um, uh, near Collins Avenue, I think. Um, and this is the location where Jerry Hutch, he says, confessed to him uh, to the murder of David Byrne in the Regency Hotel. Um, and Sarah Skeed's analysis basically showed uh, that on the 7th of February 2016, um, sorry, on the 8th of February 2016, which is the date that Dowdall told Gardy this happened, uh, his phone appeared to be pinging off a master cell site in the Navan Road area, which is where he was from, where he was living. And then, then later in the Dundalk area. Uh, so it didn't um, correlate with his allegation that he was in Whitehall. So, but, but also key to that is that she was able to discover that he was in the Whitehall, uh, specifically Collins Avenue area, the day before on the 7th, um, at a quarter past three in the afternoon. So that's when that caused Dowdall on the stand to say maybe he got the date and time wrong, although, you know, it was pointed out to him by Brendan Graham that this is something significant and you think he'd remember when it happened. But, like, all of this is key to the case in that, uh, you know, that cell site analysis was able to uh, corroborate certain elements of Dowdall's story in that he said he got a phone call from uh, from the wife of Patsy Hutch, um, shortly after eight o'clock on the 8th of February. And he said that she had uh, phoned him to tell him that Eddie Hutch had just been murdered. And um, the, the, the phone, the cell site analysis does show uh, that he was, uh, that he did actually receive a phone call around that time uh, from Patsy Hutch's wife. Um, so uh, like, it's very important. This is obviously a huge part of the case in proving certain things, what happened and where, uh, and certain dates and times. So, we didn't go into detail in relation to all of these locations today, but I, you know, if you put them all in a list, you can see if you've been following the case, uh, the different uh, cell towers this, that they that they looked at correlate with certain locations that are pertinent to this case, basically, um, and and that's that's what makes it interesting once you contextualize it. Yeah, and and uh, the, when they're uh, analysing this data, is this data in relation to calls and texts made from devices at that time, or is it just the kind of general signal that would give off one's location at any point over a certain period of time? Well, I suppose we're going to hear more detail in relation to that, and I, I I'm not an expert on this, but it, it it it's location data in terms of when phone calls and texts were made in relation to these phones. I mean that we've heard that the Gardaí did seek all. Uh, 
for available phone data from three Hutchinson Limited um, in relation to calls and texts and records of that nature. Um, so everything, everything that they could gather in terms of data, they they have. Uh, and, and as I said, and do they analyze actual phone calls? You know, are they listening to the conversations, for example? No, this is that's a privacy issue, of course. Yeah. No, I, no, they wouldn't have been able to listen to phone calls, but they they would be able to tell when when a phone call occurred, and from then from you know ping from certain cell towers as to the location of where that device would have been at the time. Okay, lovely. So what do we learn then? Well, there's there's eighty three different locations, as I said, and some of them it's hard to necessarily know the full context. But for for example, you know, as I mentioned, there there are um there's cell towers in the Navan Road area. We know obviously the importance of that because of that's where Johnson Dowdall lived. Um, cell sites were examined in the Donamede area, which is where Jason Bonney, uh, where he was observed going to Donamede Shopping Centre and where his BMW was ultimately seized off him by Gardee. Um, there are cell uh, sites in the Malahide area. We know obviously Malahide, uh, the industrial estate there, that's where Shane Roan uh, met with Patsy Hutch uh, in the Malahide Industrial Estate and he was being secretly watched by the National Surveillance Unit. Um, and this meeting happened on the 9th of March, shortly before Shane Rowan was then caught with the AK-47 rifles. Um, and then there's, there's cell towers also in, uh, as, as I said, in, in, in Monaghan, for example, Emmyvale. That's the same area that the NSU were watching Shane Rowan, um, that he stopped in a, in a top garage there. Then they also looked at areas in Port Marnock where Jason Bonney was living uh, and where he was, where this vehicle, the BMW that he was alleged to be driving that was used to help the hit team escape, where uh, he, that, that's where he left his home that morning on the 5th of February. So again, they, they looked at cell, site, cell sites there. There's lots of places around the inner city, the IFSC, uh, the inner city that covers a huge area. Uh, I would imagine cover it's very close to not too far away from Champions Avenue where Patsy Hutch's home is. Obviously, the movements of Patsy Hutch and uh, his alleged involvement is a huge part of this case as well. Um, and then there, there's areas up in Donegal. Uh, there, there are cell sites that were mentioned uh, in the Donegal area. We know uh, that Jerry Hutch and uh, Johnson Dowdall travelled up that direction. Um, and County Loud as well, there are cell sites in RD there where they were observed coming back uh, from the north through that area. And obviously the Gardaí were hugely interested in the movements of Jonathan Dowdall's phone uh, on those dates and times. Um, <clears throat> and we know that Jonathan Dowdall has said things about um, getting a phone call from his father uh, asking him about booking the room on the 4th of February. So they would have been looking at cell towers in relation to that as well. Um, it just, as I said, when you put a little bit of it into, into context, you realize that just the sheer scope of it and the amount of data that would have, that they had to retrieve, um, is enormous. Um, as, as I say. Wyndham hotels and resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And do the do the guards have a specified kind of unit, a digital unit, a technological unit that would would deal and de- deal with and pour over all this stuff? Yes, Sarah Sked appears to be their their foremost expert in that, uh, and and so I imagine she's going to put an awful lot of this into context when she's called to the stand on Thursday. Um, and and as I say, she seems to be the last witness for the prosecution. And and we heard today that she that'll probably take up the morning. And if there isn't anything sought by the defense that might be the end of it uh in in terms of her evidence the the most pertinent thing at the moment that the one thing that has already drawn controversy is her examination of Jonathan Dowdall's phone at that key point in time when he claims this confession happened and that that shows you the importance um of the phone data collection evidence uh in that case and, and certainly it's important across the cases I've mentioned already cell towers that they looked at through four different counties um like when you look at it like with you know all of those cell sites across the city phoenix park um all across uh swords north dublin i mean they basically uh gathered data from cell towers across the entire county of dublin i mean an enormous hugely populated area the most populated area in the whole country so i mean that's why I'm saying look at the sheer scope of it and, and then, you know, on top of all of that, you've got surveillance officers following these people all over the place. Um, it's just the manpower involved is huge, massive. So from that perspective, when it's put into context, what we heard today for me was, was, was completely fascinating because it was another facet to show, you know, really um, the amount of manpower and the hours that would have gone into investigating uh, this this particular murder. And other than that, there wasn't anything particularly uh, incredible that stuck out to you, or maybe the rest of the press pack today. No, as it, it, and that was the most fascinating element today. I think that you know, as I said, we're wrapping up this case. We have now heard the most important, uh, you know, the most important evidence. Jonathan Dowdall being uh, the, probably the most dramatic, and this this obviously, uh, in, you know, compared to that, is not as dramatic. Um, but but it's a huge central part of the case because it's it's something that you know can be proven and they can triangulate the movements of these phones to prove the movements of these individuals uh, on key dates and times. Uh, it's, so it's it's a very very important a technical and maybe sometimes boring uh, when not put into context, but a very very important part of the case. Very good. Well, listen, um, thank you very much for that, Paul. Uh, I just wanted to pick your brains on a couple of things. Obviously, we are cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, the next couple of days might be a touch dry for the listener, as uh, as try as we might to sex it up. 
But I was just wanted to put a couple of uh, questions from our listeners that we have outstanding here that you may be able to help with. And if not, then that's fine. We'll use the galactic brain of Mick O'Toole when he's back. I'll do my best. <laughs> um, these both came uh, via uh, DM on Twitter. So um, will the tapes and recordings ever be released? I presume this is in relation to uh, when Dowder was giving evidence. Is there a precedent or regulation behind that? Uh, you might be able to furnish us with a bit of info there. I, I don't know is the short answer, but I can say that uh, there had already been a request from a solicitor on behalf of, um, of I believe, independent news and media for the entire press group, basically representing, uh, you know, to have the transcript of that tape uh, released so that, you know, the reports can be accurate. But I, both sides, defense and prosecution, said that they had no issue with the media reports to date and that everything appeared to be accurate and above board. And so effectively, there was no reason for this to be disclosed and and the judges ultimately uh, did not favor it. So the transcript was not released uh, in that context. At the moment, that's the only, I suppose, legal way that it can be done, uh, that it can be disclosed, uh, is that the judges authorize it following an application by the media. Now, uh, the, another application could be made before this is over, um, but at the moment, that I think is the only legal basis for that being released uh, to the general public. Perhaps down the line when this case is over, uh, maybe through Freedom of Information Act or something of that nature, it, it, it could be released, uh, but I don't see it happening in the, in the short to medium future anyway. That's fair enough. Um, another uh, quick one from uh, Twitter here was, if Flat Cap wasn't going to bother using a disguise, why did Jonathan Dowdle book the room in the hotel? That was one that did uh, did make me think. Mm. It's a fascinating question. Um, I suppose we, I don't really know the answer, but I, but I can talk about it in terms of that's an interesting question. Um, and it's worth it's worth discussing. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be a politician, and say, you know, I'm just being honest. In that, look, Kevin Murray is 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 deceased. He was investigated, um, and he he was going to be uh, charged before the courts. He obviously died of complications from motor neuron disease. Um, but yeah, he didn't make any effort to hide his identity. He was identified pretty quickly, and. The speculation was obviously because he knew that he was dying and he had nothing to lose effectively and um, so made no efforts to to hide uh, himself at that point in time. We don't know the context in which, um, you know, was he his thinking prior to carrying out uh, his involvement in the Regency Hotel. But I do recall Jonathan Dowdall being asked by Brendan Grehan. Uh, something similar on uh, a similar sort of question you know well why did they get you to book the room and he could have just booked it himself and his answer effectively was that he now feels that he was set up uh he was naive and that he booked the room because he was asked he had no idea who he was booking the room for he claimed and you know looking back on it he felt that maybe now he was being used and to have the blame shifted on him uh in some way rather than say kevin murray or the hutches or whatever um and and maybe maybe there's some truth to that maybe jonathan dowdall uh was utilized uh to to book the room to again further separate maybe individuals um because that was a, a leading theory that the the hutches were the hutch gang was potentially trying to shift blame in in the direction of, of distant republicans rather than themselves uh and and 
that the blame might go elsewhere. Maybe that's the reason. But the short answer is we don't know. It's a very, very good question. It's the only reason why I think it's worth discussing because it's a good question. And it's but remember, there's a trial still ongoing. Um, that's important to say. But um, you know, it's a, that's a that's a fascinating question. And do we know the full context, the full reason uh, as as to why Jonathan Dowdall was asked to book that room? Um, you know, effectively, he didn't book the room. His 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 father, uh, um, and through his his wife, booked the room. Um, but he says, you know, he was centrally involved in that process. Um, but yeah, it's a fa- it's a fascinating question. I, I'm darting around it, but I'm just saying it. I think it's worth talking about that person's question because it's just interesting. Um, but we don't know. We don't know the real answer to it. Is this is the truth? It's all good. Um, we're back on a slightly firmer ground actually just one for me obviously yesterday we were talking about these uh, curious this curious email I should say that came through I, I, I suppose I'm presuming there was no update uh, further information on that at all I'll be careful about this there was I did hear a little bit more about it um, but 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 all I can say that's safe to say I suppose is I don't think it's being taken particularly seriously it obviously had to be mentioned because um especially in light of the previous curious development. But I think, uh, look, it'll be looked into, I'm sure, but uh, somebody sent an somebody sent an email to the Central Criminal Court, I believe to a registrar, making particular allegations, again, about persons uh, involved, alleged to have been involved in the Regency Hotel shooting. I don't think any basis was provided for that, People make allegations all the time, every day, including on social media. But it's just the context in which it was sent, and it was it was addressed to the court, the special criminal court, that I think it had to be noted. I don't expect it to be brought up again, but who knows? <laughs> okay, oh, well, listen, that's uh, no, that's all good stuff. Thank you very much, um, Paul. Look, thanks a million for today, and uh, yeah, obviously we'll be back to you uh, when we can with regard to podcast this week when it's relevant. Yeah, just just to fill people in, you look. You know, we uh, I we nearly weren't going to do a podcast today, but when when as I said, we're putting into context all those eighty three locations. I think it really shows you just the as I said the the size and scope of the investigation, and that and the, and it's fascinating. Um, so we will probably do another podcast Thursday, I think, because that will be when Sarah Sked is given her evidence. That will be worth discussing. Um, but we will we as we've always said, we'll give you a podcast when we have stuff worth discussing. Um, we're coming to the end game of this trial. I expect next week will be very, very interesting uh, when we hear the concluding arguments from the defence and the prosecution. Very good. Well, that's good a place to leave as any. So, Paul, thanks a million. I'll speak soon. Take care. Thank you.